Boris, please go ahead. Thanks. Um, first of all, I wanted to share that I got back to your audiobook, Tom, and it's very nice. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, super, super nice. Like your tones, your jokes, it's perfect. Yeah, um, most people don't even know I'm making a joke unless they get the audio book. <laughs> yeah. The audio book brings a lot of the humor out. Yeah, exactly. Also, the vibration behind is uh, very impressive. Anyway, um, my question was about, I really tried to follow up with Eric. Um, basically, for a couple of weeks now, I've been assisting people in their growth through coaching, but also I did some kind of incubator. And I was very curious about your best practice regarding uh, assisting people, especially in the spiritual growth, because I can see uh, many times I've been stuck with uh, heavy stuff coming up. For instance, one of the mm -hmm. biggest blocks I had was uh, dealing with the um, victim consciousness of one of my clients. Basically, at this point, you know, I don't know what to do anymore because coaching doesn't work, and she's stuck into that loop. And I could see I was going into those patterns, you know, of... Uh, control, you know, trying to push too much, or it was not what she needed. No. So I would be very curious about your, yeah, well, practice. The first thing I would, I would tell you is that you can't help everybody. Yeah. You know, just because they come to you for help doesn't mean that they're really willing to let you help them. Yeah. A lot of people realize they need help, but they're not really willing to be helped. So you can't help everyone, even the people that come and say, well, here I am, you know, help me out. Some of those you're just not going to be able to help out. And self-pity is a tough one. Mm. Self-pity is a tough one. Because if you tell somebody with self-pity that they have self-pity, all you're doing is, is blaming the victim. Mm. You see, and it, uh, it makes them have even more self-pity. It's, it's, uh, that's a hard one to deal with, but you, you can deal with it, but you have to deal with it slowly. Mm. I'd say the first thing you do when you talk with somebody is you have to understand where they're coming from. Mm. Just let them talk. Let them tell you a bit about their life. Mm. You know, just give them a, a half an hour, an hour, just to chat. What's your life like? You know, where'd you, where'd you start? Where'd you come from? And what's your life been like? Mm. And just let them go on. For half hour, an hour, because then you'll know what is inside there. You'll know what the problems are, and you'll have some idea of the approach to get there. So you have to really understand them. Hmm. And people with self-pity, you need to find something positive for them, because basically they don't like themselves. That is the fundamental problem with almost everybody. Most everybody that has a problem, the problem is that they don't like themselves, is that the, is one of the main pillars, you know, of, uh, that's causing their problem. And one of the things you can do if that's, if that's the case, if that is the main thing, and typically with self-pity it, it is, they don't like themselves. They don't see themselves as worthy. They don't see themselves as able to do good things, be a good person, uh, whatever. Now, that's not in their intellect. In their intellect, they'll tell you the opposite. But 
that's what they feel. They feel unworthy. So if you can find some positive things to talk about, some positive things to work on, okay, um, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, do you have friends? You know, do you have family? You know, do you have a spouse? Do you have a dog? You know, is there any relationship you have with any with anything or anybody that's positive? Mm-hmm. And and what parts of it are positive? Well, they can start. You know, maybe they have a relationship with a spouse, and it's partially positive but it's got all this negativity in it well start with what's positive mm. and work with that and then deal with a strategy to let them understand that a lot of the negative is in response to their own negativity now you won't tell them that because if you tell them that that will upset them but you'll understand that that's the truth it's because of their you know, self-pity and negativity and not liking themselves that they're getting a lot of negativity from their partner. So then you help them change just one thing, one small thing, and see how that affects, you know, the change with the other. So if you can find something positive and work with that and help them make another thing that's a little more positive and then help them make another thing that's a little more positive. What you're doing is really building their self-worth. You're making them look at themselves and say, well, you know, I can do this. I do have things in my life that are positive. I do have things that are worth holding on to and and feeling grateful for. You know, wallowing in in self-pity, the opposite of that is wallowing in gratitude. You know, so offer to find some gratitude, you know, for the things that they do have. And, and uh, in general, with people with problems, look for the positive. And most people will tell you the sad story of their life, and it's a lot of negativity in it. But also for most people, there are positive things in their life. And there may be things they don't recognize. You may have to ask some questions before they come up with things that are, that are positive. Okay. You know, even if the only thing that's positive in their life is their dog, you know, well, you can start with that. You know, what could, you know, what can you do with that? Well, you know, maybe uh, you can, you know, start a business walking dogs or, you know, something, you know, you take it and try to try to build that up, you know, put an ad in the paper that you'll dog sit for people when they leave because you like dogs and you find dogs positive. So anything that's positive, any little crumb that you can, that you can bring up that, that is a positive thing, let that be the nucleus to try to grow more positive things by telling them how to make it a little more positive or helping them. So let's try this. Let's just try this. You know, the next time your husband says such and such and that bothers you, just ignore that. Don't let it bother. Don't say anything back to them. Don't complain. Don't yeah. fight back. And see what happens. Just yeah. try it. Humor me. Just give that a try. And if it, if they do that, and then they find that suddenly their husband's acting nicer to them because they're not participating in the fight, so to speak, they're letting it go, then you can say, well, you know, we can maybe train your husband. You see, so don't make it about them. You say, oh, we're going to train the husband. Actually, we're going to actually make the husband act nicer because the person's going to be nicer. So the way you train the husband is by helping the wife Get rid of her negativity, you see. You're not really training the husband at all. You're helping the wife be less negative. 
but she can think of it in terms of training a husband and says thinking of it in terms of, oh, something's wrong with me. I'm not right. I'm not good enough. I need to fix myself. I'm too negative. It was just being aware of her own negativity, and if she's too negative, is another negative. <laughs> Drags her down. You see? So you can't say, well, look, you're so negative. Look at all this stuff. Every time you talk about it, you're negative. All I hear you do is complain because that will just make it worse. So that way you can turn it around and make her seem like she's helping somebody else do something just by being a certain way, and now she'll feel good about that. Oh, yeah, it's good now. We get along better now. Thank you. You see, so you have to find something positive and work with that positiveness to be more positive. And that's kind of just one thing from my experience that generally works. If you can't find anything at all that's positive, if everything is something to complain about, then that's going to be a really hard case. It may be one of those that, that you just can't work with. You know, everything is a complaint. And that's because they're at such a low point of self-pity that everything is seen as negative. Mm. Even the positive things are seen as negative. But most of that all comes from a, 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 a being negative about themselves. And if you can find some positive things about them, you know, they're a, Whatever they do, I don't know. You know, they, they sell shoes. You know, well, they help people find footwear. You know, things that that'll that'll fit right. You know, that'll do this, and people go away and they're happier because they got your expertise to how to fit. Or they're a nurse, or a doctor, or an engineer, or they're a construction worker. Well, you do good things. You know, because of you, this building got constructed. I mean, you didn't do it all, but because you did your part, even if your part was just to dig the ditch that they built the house in. That's a part of it. That's an important part of it. So you try to build up positiveness in some way. So that's the key. Look at everything in terms of positive, negative. Negative is bad. Positive is good. And if you can develop any positiveness or encourage it in any way, that's going to help them get better. Yeah. And, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. And don't, uh, don't point out negativity in them. Because that generally will make them worse. Well, of course, you're fighting with your husband. You know, you, you, know, you, you see everything as negative. Well, that won't help. That, you're just throwing gasoline on their fire. You've just told them that they have a problem. And if they have a problem, oh, they're unworthy. They have problems. And they can't help it. And they can't get out of that problem because that's just the way I am. You know, and it's... Uh, so accentuate the positive, let the negative alone. You can't lie about it. Now, when they get to the point that they say, oh, that was pretty negative of me, wasn't it? That's not, that's not helpful. You can say, yes, you got that. So it's okay to, when they get there, it's all right. But if they're not there, it won't help. So yeah. does that help? Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot. Actually, the metaphor that came was uh, about, uh, you know, the Buddhist metaphor about watering the plant. Basically, you put water, you put water, you won't get it by some point. They're just going to get it by themselves. Like, they're going to wake up, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Anyway, my other question was about uh, what I've noticed, um, especially with groups, uh, with individuals, okay, with groups, I've noticed I'm uh, very, very impacted by the energy. I'm very even drained by that. 
And I've noticed also because I'm drained by the energy, um, I'm lacking clarity sometimes. So my question was about, um, actually this is all new to me, but how do you deal with uh, this kind of situation where, um, yeah, basically the energy of a group, because I could really see, for instance, when one was feeling bad, it was, it was like taking all the group low, you know, vibrationally speaking. And yeah, I'm very curious about how you manage it because I could see you at the immers immersive. There was a lot of information like uh, going everywhere. But um, I got the feeling that basically you need some kind of spiritual mass to be able to take care of groups already because you're dealing with a lot of stuff. When you're with a group, you have to let them be them <clears throat> and you be you. Mm. You can't mix them up. And if you see yourself, you know, a lot of reason we get mixed in a group like that, psychically mixed, you know, energetically mixed in a group is because we have this this idea that that, that we're going to help them. Mm. Oh, I'm going to help that group. I'm going to help these people grow up. I'm going to help these people see the problem. I'm going to help these people understand something. So if you've got this idea that, you know, they're the people with the problem and you're going to help them, well, that then makes you, you know, that connects you to that group. You have to see the group as they are themselves. That group is a bunch of individuals. They really have to help themselves. Mm. But you are going to try to tell them things that will enable them to help themselves. You're going to try to not say things that is going to make it more difficult for them to help themselves. And you're going to do the best you can with each member and the group as a whole to help them help themselves. But if you start from the idea of I'm going to help them, it's my job to help them. You see, you see yourself as the helper that's going to heal, or the helper that's going to help them. Now that makes a connection with that group. And if that group then oh, they all feel happy and they all feel relieved and they all feel good, then you feel energized and you feel, because look what I've done, I've really helped them. And if they all feel grumpy and, and whatever and they're miserable, then you start to feel miserable too. And it takes you down because you have kind of, you've created a, a, a collective consciousness between you and them. They affect you, you affect them kind of thing, but you're just one to affect their collective consciousness, and they are many, to affect yours. So you will be a lot more affected than they will by that collective consciousness, you see. So that's one thing. Now, you can say, okay, I'm going to form a collective consciousness with this group, and I'm just going to give them some really good energy, energy to relax, energy to understand, energy to uh, open up. Energy that says you're you're a good person, you have value. So before you meet with them, or even while you're meeting with them, you can give that to them. But you're giving it to them for them to do with it what they will. They can reject it, they can use it. So then you can be you have that group, but you're not you know you're you're not connected to it in a sense that as it goes up, you go up. As it goes down, you go down. You're not in there because you haven't put yourself in the position of being in charge of making them all feel better. They have to make themselves feel better. You can help them. You can give them, you know, 
soften them up in the beginning, you know, when you first start or before you start, even the day before you start with this group, you can give them some of that, that feel good, you know, that they're okay, that they're worthy people, that they're people of value and just send them some positive energy just to make them feel better. Not necessarily do anything, but just there to feel better, feel more positive, feel open. And uh, if you do that, before they get there and then do it again right before you go out or in the beginning as you're walking out the, to meet them. You know, you can learn to do that while you walk. You can even learn to do that while you talk. So you can give them, but you're giving something to them to do with as they will. Mostly when you give people that kind of energy, it does make them feel more relaxed, more open, more, you know, more ready to grow up. But if you give it to them with the idea, I'm going to fix them by giving them this energy, now you've made a connection that isn't helpful. You're in charge of them and what they learn or what they don't learn, and you're not. They're in charge of themselves. You're just there to help them help themselves. So that's the differentiation, and that's how you you stay out of that energy stream. Nice. So basically... um, um the collective consciousness which is created with a group is not automatic. You can, with a strong intent, you can basically have it during the session, but you can also cut it in between. Not my point, but basically yeah, my feeling was that I was actually uh, dealing with that karma. I was dealing with that stuff and I was splitting my consciousness. Uh, as you said it, basically, yeah, with a pure intent, I can, um, I could say I, I can have a healthy collective consciousness, like basically giving them stuff when they need it, but getting back to my life in between sessions. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You can turn it on and turn it off. Nice. And you you don't have the responsibility to make everybody well. Hmm. You can't make everybody well. You have the responsibility to help them make themselves well to the extent that you're able to give them that encouragement, to give them the positive energy, to find something positive in their life and work on it. I mean, you have the, you have the responsibility to be skillful and understanding and knowledgeable enough to help them help themselves. That's your responsibility. But you don't have the responsibility to make them better. They have to make themselves better. So that puts it in a different light. You can't fix people you have to help them fix themselves mm. and in as much as you have a mindset that you're fixing people then you will be tripping over that that connection mm. and it'll it'll bother you and you'll take it all home with you and it'll be a it'll be a problem because you set yourself up as responsible for them mm. you can only be responsible that, that what you give them is the best that you know how to give them as far as helping them deal with things themselves. Yeah. And also I can feel that I'm forcing against their free will because yeah. I'm forcing something into them. Right. Nice. Interesting. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's it. Thank you, Tom. Really. Mm-hmm. Tom, this question is coming from Mario Milione. Um, He is on audio, listen only, so I'm going to read the question for him. 
My question is about the relative merits of two different practices, meditation and self-inquiry. I hear many people talking about personal inquiry on oneself. My understanding is that this is in part meaning looking at our limiting beliefs about ourselves, looking at feelings of inadequacy that we may have, and also thinking about events in our past that may have initiated these thought patterns. By learning to identify and simply observe these feelings dispassionately without getting drawn into them and identifying with them, we create a separation and eventually those feelings and beliefs may dissolve away. I've heard Tom express similar ideas where he has said that by applying our intent to stop being a certain way will eventually bring about change. On the other hand, we have the idea of meditating, which to me seems to be about learning to still the mind or to detach from the mind. I think because I am very mind-driven, I find the self-inquiry activity comes more easily to me. It relies on thinking and observation, while meditation is about clearing the slate altogether. So my question is, is either of these activities more important than the other, or are they both equally good ways to lower our entropy? Okay. They are, they are two completely different things. That is true. But I see them as, as something that go together very well. Your, your inquiry your deep probing of yourself and, and what's going on inside of you will actually be more effective if you do it from a meditation state. So I would say the one makes the other one more effective. The problem, if you are just, if you don't use the meditation state, if you just do the personal inquiry, you're going to complete, you're going to have to always deal with your intellect ego, and fear, making things up, coming to wrong conclusions, telling you things you want to hear rather than the analysis you come to. It will warp your thinking, and it's difficult to not let it warp your thinking. In other words, your ego and fear will tend to have you thinking in ways that make the result come out a happy one. Um, the, you would have a tendency to skip over problems and issues because your 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 uh, ego will whitewash those, make them seem not only okay but important and necessary. That's just the nature of it. So when you work from your intellect, you have these other things going on that you have to deal with. And yes, people who do personal inquiry they realize that and they try to deal with it. They try to deal with everything logically and only as it comes, and they try to not let the ego and their beliefs get in the way. But that is a very difficult thing to do, not let your beliefs and your ego get in the way. Your beliefs define your reality in many ways, and your ego does as well. It changes your notion of what's real. So in a meditative state, you let go of that that. Uh, of that ego and those beliefs somewhat. At least you have a, a lighter grip on, you know, they have a lighter grip on you. So you're a little more independent from them. And it'll make a little, it'll make the inquiry more effective. 
because a, a good meditation state puts you in an intuitive state. And in intuitive states, you just get information, awareness just comes to you, and you know things. You understand things at, a, at an intuitive level. And adding that intuitive level to your probing of yourself is very, very helpful. Very, very helpful. So uh, I'd say learn both. I think if you just meditate and never do any inquiry, you're not going to get nearly as far as quickly. The, the inquiry is necessary, but the meditation is too. I'd say the two work together to help you do something more than either one would do by themselves. So that would be you know, the relationship. Learn to meditate. Get, you know, that may take you six months or a year or more. Learn to meditate to where you're good at that. And you can hold that meditation state even while you do self-inquiry, even while you ask questions. Okay. So that may take a while, but you will find that your, your inquiry is a lot more accurate and effective, and you're not going to trick yourself with your beliefs and, and your ego nearly so much. It'll be a lot more uh, honest and inquiry worked through an, an intuitive mindset. Because the intuition isn't, uh, you know, for that to be effective, your ego and your fears and your, and your uh, beliefs don't really play there so much. It's just a matter of going out and getting information, and, and there it is. The, the ego and the belief and the fear tend to interfere and color the intellectual side much more strongly than they do the intuitive side. The intuition is not nearly so colored because the intuition isn't about analysis. It isn't about, oh, is this a good thing to do or should I do that? Or, oh, I believe it's this way. The, in the intellect really needs to shut up and be quiet if the intuition is going to work. So the intuition just gets information without judgment and without analysis. So it tends to be free of the belief, free of the ego. And you can learn to use both. You can learn to jump back and forth. Let the intellect do what it does. Let the intuition gather the information required. And working with both tools, your introspection will be much more sound. All right. Thank you, Tom. This has been an exceptional fireside chat. We thank you for submitting your questions. And uh, we thank you, Oliver and Justin, for providing the server and for the editing. The questions were all superb. They're mm -hmm. all really good questions. Yes. Yeah. I thank all of you for coming. And for all of you out there in this world listening to this, if you want to be a part of the Fireside Chat, it's not an exclusive club. It's open to people. Uh, but because of the way the software works, you have to be put on a list with your, you know, given a password and put on a list. You can't just join it. So in order to do that, you need to, I guess the first thing would be to send something to Donna. And uh, you can do that at, at uh, mbtevents.com. 
and Donna will forward your name to Oliver, who runs the server. Oliver will give you a password or whatever and send it to you, and then all you have to do is log on and be here, you see. Now, Donna will vet them. Donna is a, is a, not just necessarily going to put everyone in that offers because we need to make sure that this, this Farsight chat talks to things that are of value to everyone, value to the listeners. So, you know, all the things we talked about today, I'm sure when 100,000 people look at this, there will be a large percentage of those that find value in everything we said today. So the thing, the only thing we want to not do is talk about personal problems that are only about you. They're not things that apply to other people. Now, we do talk about personal problems, but only when they're put into a form that is general. You know, you put them into a generic form. Okay, that generic form has your personal problem pegged, but we're not talking just about you and your mother and your brother and your uncle, you know, and that relationship, because that's just personal. It doesn't affect anybody else. But we're talking about this kind of person clashing with that kind of person and so on. Now, that's general, and everybody can learn from that. So just a little note to the people who'd like to be here. You know, they have to be general questions that everybody can learn from, not personal things. And talk to Donna. Donna will talk to you a little bit. And Donna's not a hard gate to get through. She will put you on and we'll have more people. And Oliver would like to have more people too. You know, so he's not a gate that you have to get through that's too harsh. We'd like to have 10, 15, 20 people here, but uh, uh, we just don't yet. So please uh, ask to join us. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for everybody. Tom Campbell here. INMBT Events, hope you liked this video. We now have well over a thousand hours of free video on this user-friendly, ad-free YouTube channel. Though these videos are free to our viewers, they represent many thousands of hours in production and editing, and many thousands of dollars invested in video and audio equipment, along with the required computers and software to store and process the raw video into finished products. So far, all of this content has been funded directly out of our own pockets. Be assured, we will always continue to do what we can. It's our life, our purpose, a labor of love that we will continue to pursue as best we can. However, those pockets are not as deep as they used to be. Thus, we are now seeking to augment our resources with support from our viewers. If you find something of significant value in our videos, please consider supporting their production through our Patreon account or through a one-time donation. The links are in the description below. Thank you.